What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. On today's episode, episode 147, we have some baseball news. Figured heading into the last week of the regular season. It's a good time to take a look at where we stand as far as the division and wildcard races go. We, of course, have all your updates from NFL Week 3, injuries, notable occurrences, and, of course, a preview of the biggest game of the season so far, at least from an emotional standpoint, Tom Brady's return to Gillette Stadium in Week 4, and, of course, Banker Tank. But first, MLB, final week of the regular season. We have three teams that have clinched playoff spots. I have not looked at the stats yet for today, or excuse me, the uh, the, the records for today. Uh, just as of last night, as about, about 2 a.m. this morning, I should say. So the Rays, the White Sox, and the Milwaukee Brewers have clinched divisions. Mm-hmm. Giants and Dodgers have clinched playoff spots, but since they're in the same division and are going back and forth, they have not clinched a division yet, just a playoff spot. Braves and Astros lead the divisions by two and a half and five games, respectively. And in the wild card, Yankees and Red Sox have the top two spots, and the Blue Jays are one back. And in the NL wild card, whoever doesn't win the division between the Dodgers and Cardinals will get first wild card spot, and the Cardinals are up five and a half on the second spot. So it looks like the NL is pretty sealed up. Uh, Braves, you know, the NL, you said Braves and Phillies fighting for the NL East, uh, but. You're going to have the Dodgers and the Giants. One of them is going to get the first wild card because it's like a 13 and a half game lead over the Cardinals even for the first spot. And the other one is going to get the division. Uh, the Cardinals are going to have to go on an epic, epic losing streak, as will all the teams who are chasing them. are right, going to winning streak in order to, to not make it. So it looks like the NL is pretty wrapped up except for the, the NL East. Uh, the AL East, though, the wild card is still very much in the air. Very, very much in the air. Uh, and the Astros have a five-game lead in the West. That's probably that's probably going to be good enough. Uh, man, you talk about two teams, the Yankees and the Red Sox, who have some of the biggest stars in the game, and yet they're chasing the Tampa Bay Rays. And we were talking about this before we started recording. They made a bad move, which I stand by that, by pulling Blake Snell in the World Series last year. Then they trade him. He goes to San Diego doesn't look good at all and here the Rays are right back where they were last year division champs look great all their little odd stat based moves uh the saber metrics whatever you want to call it I hate them but it seems to work (laughs) and I mean you said how sad it was before we started recording but it's sad from a baseball purist standpoint but god it's impressive who does more with less than the Rays Nobody, like there's, there's really nobody else that does what the Rays do. And and the scary part is, uh, Andrew Freeman used to be, I believe, a GM or at least a, a one notch below a GM with Tampa Bay, and he's in LA. Yeah, LA. And obviously, Heim Bloom um, had some. High, uh, high office position with the Rays, probably GM or be- just below that. And he's with the Boston Red Sox now. And Heimblum's only been there two years and he hasn't had the success yet. Uh, obviously, Andrew Freeman, um, on top of building a, a pretty good farm system, has a, a large checkbook to 
dish out money. So, and he's won a world series. So the, the question I would ask you, Chris, um, in regards to the Rays, just real quick, is will this ever produce a World Series championship? Because we've seen them go twice in the past 20 years or so, and yet they fall short both times. I really think it will. I really do. I don't know if this year is their year or not. I mean, you have teams like the, you have teams like the Dodgers and the Giants, like I said, who are playing lights out right now. I got a lot of good teams around around the majors. Uh, the Brewers have quietly been, somehow quietly, been one of the better teams in baseball. Uh, you have, um, you know, the Cardinals who have been playing great. You got a lot, a lot of talented teams. A lot of teams are really pulled away from the pack. Uh, so it, it's tough to say how this race team would stack up against all those teams, but we're going to find out. That's the best part about it. We're going to know. It's not going to be a mystery for more than a few more weeks. Uh, but whether it's this year or in the foreseeable future, I do think, I, I really do think, uh, if any team can win with the whole opener nonsense, the closer by committee, the having your closer start a game, the all just a stat-based ridiculousness that you and I aren't a big fan of, if any team can win with it, it's the race. Because this isn't, this isn't Moneyball, by the way. No. This isn't this Billy is... Bean Moneyball out in Oakland. This is a whole different style and a whole different form of just stat-based, purely stat-based analysis and use of your players, which, again, I'm not a fan of, but... It's working in Tampa Bay. And to kind of to rope this back into the playoff picture, Chris, this this speaks to what what are the Yankees and the Red Sox doing wrong? And, and for that matter, I mean, I don't know if the Blue Jays could be cobbled into that argument. I think we both agree on this. They're up and coming. They're they're a young team. They made they made some acquisitions this offseason, and they just need. You know, they're like, I guess you could call them legacy players, you know, Biggio, uh, Vlad Jr., to just keep developing. And, sorry, uh, Buchet as well. I apologize. But you just need them to keep developing and this core grow together and become a dominant force a la the Houston Astros for the past few years, minus the uh, cheating. Um, but I think the, the Red Sox and the Yankees have, have a severe issue is that they're more so the Yankees is that they've, they have invested a lot more, uh, but equally the Red Sox have invested money, serious money into pitching and have not produced since their World Series. See, the problem I think with the Yankees, and I'm going to get to the Red Sox, so I'm, this isn't just a Red Sox fan bashing on the Yankees. This is a baseball fan bashing on not knowing what your team is made of. The problem with the Yankees is when it had all that success in the twenties and thirties and all the 20 something world championships and all that stuff. Baseball was a simpler game, not taking away anything from the accomplishments, but it was this guy hits for this average. He hits this many home runs. He gets this many RBIs. This pitcher pitches this many innings a year. He gets this many strikeouts. He gives up this few runs. They're good or they're bad. It was easy to either know the players you developed who had those skills or to just be, you know, uh, I'm not going to pretend I knew what the, (laughs) 
market was back in the 20s and 30s, but it was, you know, to, to try to trade for the best player or to buy the best player's contract, a la Babe Ruth. Uh, it's not so easy now. It's not, it's tough because you can have a team that, that puts a player in the best possible uh, position to win and do well, but it, it doesn't always translate in another team with different players around them. Um, and, and, and I hope this is coming across how I'm trying to say it. It's like a guy like John Carlos Stanton was the stud of the Miami Marlins. He was an MVP candidate. He was injury prone, but he was an MVP candidate. He actually won the MVP, I believe, once in the NL. Comes to the Yankees. Everyone's like, oh, this is it. This is it. World Series after World Series. Here we go. Especially with some of the other talent they had at the time. And Stanton's been okay. Okay to very good at times. But he's never, ever reclaimed his MVP form. I don't think I don't think that's a reach to say that. He's never been the same guy he was when he won the NL MVP for the Marlins. No way. So, like, you have a bunch of players like that, and then you think they're going to be good role players. I don't, not that Stanton's case, but other guys might bring in. Because in certain situations, they did well because of how crazy the stats are. So you have teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees who seemingly don't know their identity. It... it, it you want to have this starter come up and pitch three innings to start a game. But you also want to go pay this guy $25 million a year to be uh, your, your, you know, your ace starter, your Chris Sale, your Garrett Cole, uh, your, your Aaron Judge. You want to pay Aaron Judge to be, well, I don't think Aaron Judge has got his big contract yet, but you no, probably, he probably will. Uh, you want to pay these guys to come in and, and yeah, they can perform, but Garrett Cole alone, as he's proven, as great as he can be, cannot lead you to a division title. You need help. Back when it was Clemens and Pettit and everybody, back for the Yankees in the, early, in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was not just them. It was guys like Jorge Posada, guys like Bernie Williams. Guy, you know, Obviously, you had guys like Jeter, but if all you had in that team was Jeter and Mariano Rivera, you have two really, really good players, two great players. Hall of Fame players. And <laughs> probably about half the number of wins you normally ended up with. Because you had all the other guys around them who you were able to tell just on how they played on the field, just on how they played, how they were going to perform. You got to watch them in all these situations. Nowadays, it's like if a guy if a guy for a couple, a couple months had a, a cold streak against left-handers during night games, now, if you have the game on the line, your best hitter coming up, well, he's been hitting <laughs> he's been hitting 140 against left-handers in night games, so we're going to bench him for this guy over here. You don't get a chance to see these guys in all these situations. So I say all that, and I hope I haven't lost the trail here, I say all that to say these big-money teams are bringing in these big-money players, but they haven't seen how the guys they bring in to be the role players perform in these other situations. Even, even if it's not a free agent, even if it's a guy in the farm system. Oh, this guy's good at this for a couple of seasons. So now this is just what he does. That's it. This guy's only a, clo- uh, uh, a catcher who plays against left-handed pitchers in day games. Or he only catches this, ca- this pitcher. Or he only does this. He's good at this, so he only does this. 
there's no more testing players to see exactly what they're made of. There's no more finding out what a player's metal is. There's no more looking for that clutch gene. There's no more any of that. And, and, and that is where baseball is lacking. Like, players still have it, but you got to just show it. Nobody, you can't find it anymore just by looking at the stats because the stats are so convoluted with all these different, ridiculous, uh, um, just nuances that you can't just see who's good and who isn't. Does any of that make sense? I'm going to pick a few things out of what you said because I think they they make sense and are applicable to many other sports. It's knowing what you are. And 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 when you said that I'm I'm sitting here thinking while you're you're you're, you're talking. And I think back to the Baltimore Ravens. That's a perfect perfect analogy. Is they had a crisis moment. They were trying to transition from Flacco to, to Lamar Jackson. And they made a decision. They said, we have when we transition to Lamar, we cannot have the same offense. We cannot take a square peg and put it in a circle hole. It doesn't work. So they said, we're going to say, Lamar, this is going to be the offense revolving around you to your skill set. And it makes 100% sense. I don't know if it's ever going to produce a Super Bowl championship. Because we haven't seen it yet, but there's also a chance that it's going to. Uh, but I think if you look at the Rays, and again we're gonna we're gonna pinpoint the Rays. It hasn't sustained. Uh, it hasn't created the success at the peak yet, because obviously they haven't won a World Series. But they know what they are. They know how they want to pitch. They know they know how they want to hit. They want to know. They know what they want to play defensively. Um, whether you have uh, a hardcore opinion about the shift or you just don't care, they know what they do and they know what they do well, and they're doing it up and down their um, their farm systems, so that the guys that come in transition easily into what they're playing in the major leagues. And then they identify players that they might want to move on from. I, I, I example, uh, Diego Castillo, the, the we've referenced the closer for the uh, the Marlins, the Rays this year, traded halfway through the season. Was he having a down season? No, he was probably one of the top closers as far as stat wise, and yet they just traded him. And I, I don't know about you, it's done me. And I know they did this. It was like two or three years ago. They traded one of their their premier openers i don't remember the, his name but i know they traded him and he didn't do he didn't do shit with that other team but again the rays pinpointed what they do well and what they don't and will it produce we don't know but they've had more sustain, sustained success than i would say most of the teams in the al east they haven't had the peaks. The Red Sox have recently had the peaks. But consistency. Yeah. But consistency. And and they still have some big boppers. They have um I can never print I can never remember his name, but the kid from last year that had a great off. Rosarina. Uh, thank you. Uh, they had the uh Yandi um the shortstop. Yandi uh, uh Wander Franco? Yeah, Wander Franco, thank you. 
Wander Franco come up this year, top prospect, another top prospect. Um, they still have Tyler Glasnow, who's probably coming to come off this injury sometime next year. They always have the pieces in place, and they seem to, as Bill Belichick would put it, rather get rid of a player too early than too late. I mean, prime example, Chris, Chris Archer. They, they, oh, yeah. Got, yeah. they got out of that. Do you know where he's at right now? Uh, I couldn't tell you, honestly. He, he's with the Rays. He's Is he again? Rays. I, I think he got, <laughs> I think he got injured because he didn't pitch much, but he's back with the Rays. So I just think the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, like the Dodgers clearly know what they are. They're, they're a high payroll team with uh, excellent farm system and players that seem to fit roles that they want. Now, will that go bust because they're going to have to pay Seager at some point, or maybe they don't? Um, is Mookie Betts going to fit into the future? Is he going to stay healthy? Because astonishingly, he's all of a sudden an injury-prone player. Not to mention, you know, is Walker Buehler going to be able to pick up the mantle of, of um, Clayton Kershaw? And, and so on and so forth, but they they have what you would call an identity. I don't see that from the Red Sox. I don't see it from the Yankees. You can see the formation of it from the Blue Jays, and I know I'm going specific to the AL East, but that's that's the division we kind of right. pay attention to the most. I'm sure if you look at other teams, we talked about it. The Padres, 500 team right now. With all the bliss and bluster yes. of what going, you know, post uh, off season, the postseason um, run they had last year, I think it was short, but it was impactful. Um, Tatis, Machado, pitchers acquiring, Blake Snell going over there, big acquisition, didn't produce much. And 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 if you remember back, Chris, about four or five years ago. They did the same thing where they went off season and then they acquired a bunch of players. Kimbrell came in. Uh, they, they got um, um, Myers from the, the Rays. They made all these acquisitions. And then the following season, they just did a fire sale. You can't just cobble things together in one off season and just push all your chips in and say, here, go win. You can't do that. You got to build framework of an identity. And that's throughout all sports is build your identity. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing I took from uh, what you said was just an identity. And in the, the, if, if we exclude the race, I would say the blue Jays have more of an identity than the other three teams in that division. And we can go up and down the uh, uh, baseball standings and we can pinpoint other teams that don't have an identity. A majority of those are probably going to be, under 500 teams that just don't have or or you're the Orioles or you're the um, Nationals who have pretty much nothing going on for you because you're rebuilding and that's a whole another story but yeah, that's, you, that's the biggest problem I see with the Yankees and the Red Sox yeah you said that way more eloquently than I did and that was, that was perfect actually with, with the Rays okay small market team comparatively who is not going to spend the big money they're going to have stars. But when those stars get to the point where they're going to want those couple hundred million dollar contracts, they're not going to get to that point. They're going to trade them away for a hall of prospects that are going to be the next wave of guys to come up and perform for them. 
and they have an excellent scouting. I mean, I, I can't think of a better scouting unit in all of baseball than the Rays simply because of the way they keep just keep turning people over. They get players who maybe have something to prove, players coming off injury, players who are going to be less expensive but have great upside, and they get the most out of them. But like you said, they know who they are. They know that's what they do. You're not going to see the Rays sign. You were never going to see the Rays sign Garrett Cole to a 10-year, $300 million contract. It's not what they do. It wasn't going to happen. Now, it's what the Yankees do, and that's fine. This isn't even a bash on them. But you can't do that and then say, oh, we're going to get this 180 hitter who hits really good and um, when it, when it past 5 p.m. when the wind chill is below 20 points or 20 degrees. Like, that crap doesn't work. Like, you can't say I'm going to spend – it's, it's not a balance of knowing who you are. Dodgers. Yeah, people get annoyed with them. Yeah, their payroll is ridiculous. Yeah, they keep paying people these exorbitant contracts, but that's what they do. They <laughs> And then every once in a while, they get a good guy from the farm system who comes up yep. and he ends up being something. But they pay for their talent. They buy their team. That's what they do. They know that's what they do. And you have teams, like you said, the Yankees and the Red Sox, who uh, are kind of half and half, and they can't right. decide. Do you want to be the big payroll team? Do we want to be the team that's going to develop talent and and, and really have that uh, bring us into the next you know generation of our team when these guys turn over and we start getting the prospects up and they just they like you said framework you need the framework for knowing what you want to do and then it's fine if you want to bring a star or two in right but they can't be it can't be we're going to pay this guy hundreds of millions of dollars and then well this guy hits really good when um. You know, after he has chicken tenders for dinner, so we're gonna we're gonna bring him in, and he's gonna be the ying to that guy's yang. That's gonna really lead our team. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I I, I agree because that guy's getting paid X number of dollars for a reason to do a job. Whereas you look at teams like the Rays, like the Athletics, they have to do those, you know, matchups averages percentages because of what they have so they identify talents that um have comparable talent so that way you're you're you have comparable first baseman so they can have different situations for different that's why i um uh myers i can't remember his first name um that's now with the san diego uh padres well played out huh Will? Will Myers, thank you. Yeah. That's why he plays different played different positions with the Rays. He he had a certain skill set that allowed him to play outfield and left and, and first base. Uh much like Cody Bellinger for the first couple of years of his career. He played outfield and he played first base and they wanted to get him on the field. And he had a very, very strong left-handed swing, great power. We we we've been down the road of, of the faults of the Dodgers in the World Series against the Red Sox and how they misplayed that. But I think they learned from it and, and they got the World Series. Um, and they also got that because the Rays had a misstep and tried to they out analytic themselves. I just think having a plan and a framework of what you want to do is the best way to go. You can kind of do both, but you really need to you really need to say as far as baseball, are we this or are we this? 
and make that this make that conscious decision and say, well, we can do a little bit of this, we can do a little bit of that, but this is our framework, this is our foundation, and that's what we want to move forward with. And, and if they if teams can do that, then they can build that consistent, you know, St. Louis Cardinals. Um, just every year, just somehow they're either in the run or they're they're winning the division. That's that's the consistency you want. The the Atlanta Braves in the nineties. That's the consistency you want every right. year. You're in the playoffs. You're in it. Maybe they only won one, one world series, but they're always in it. Consistency. And that's what you want. And I don't think, I don't think right now the Red Sox and Yankees teams that we're looking at right now are just, are just putting too much payroll in the wrong spots. And it's going to be a matter of which team clears the ledger quicker of I don't want to be too crude, but the garbage and and is more intelligent about the steps they take to move forward. All right. On to the NFL. Injuries. Had some pretty significant injuries here in week three. Uh first off on Thursday night, Christian McCaffrey injured his hamstring. Uh, didn't show any structural damage with the MRI. Uh, the, the Panthers say he won't go on IR right now. But um, it's a guy who missed most of last season. Comes back, was having a pretty decent year so far. And you knew it was only the best was yet to come with him. And now he's out for foreseeable future. I mean, the running back really needs that hamstring to really explode off the line and, and, and make those power moves and things. And a guy like McCaffrey, I mean, you could this could be a four- to six-week injury probably. Uh, so if Chupa Hubbard is available in any of your fantasy leagues out there, uh, which he is in mine, uh, but he won't be because I have the number one waiver priority and I am going to pick him up. So we're going to see what that takes. I, because... I hope you're not expecting an exact. No, 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 no. I'm expecting just respectable. Just, just okay. get me 10, 12 I'm points just... a game and I'll be happy. Like I can't, dude, I can't keep going with the Devin, with the Devin Singletary, excuse me, with the yeah. uh, David Montgomery uh, Matt Nagy, one week he's 20, one week he gets me one and a half. Like, it doesn't, no, I can't. I just want respectable. A couple catches, give me 40, 50 yards on the ground, I'll be happy. Maybe if I'm in the end zone, I'm hoping a prayer. We'll see. Nope. Dude, nobody's CMC. I know, I'm just saying. That's not, that's not the system. That's CMC's magic right there, dude. That's, I know. that's he's special. Just, you know, Chuba's a good running back. He, he had success in college. It just, yeah. You bet you, you're going to need to hope they get a goal line carry because it'll get in the end zone. It's just passing game. Wasn't even not much involved in passing game. But, yeah, hey, he got but, like three hey, or four the other day for, for like 30 yards. If you can do that and run for decent yardage as yeah. someone who isn't your primary back, I'm good with that. I'll take the chances. All right. Um, Blake Martinez, linebacker for the Giants, uh, Torres ACL. He will be out for the season. This is a guy who is a tackling monster. I think he tack got like 100. I saw a stat yesterday. It's like 140 t- or more tackles like the first four or five years of his career. He's he's a beast. He'll be sorely missed on a team that looks like it needs all the help it can get right now, because <laughs> that Kenny Galladay being a top three receiver a couple years ago prediction is not going in your favor there, buddy. I mean, is that uh, more of Kenny Galladay or is that Mr. Jones? We don't know. Not, not being he, <laughs> he he took that payday, so no one's gonna find out. We'll see. Well, we'll see. Maybe down the road it'll be different, but he's injury prone, and the Giants are a mess right now. Speaking of a mess, 
<laughs> Patriots. Uh, not not really that bad, honestly. They're just young. Uh, James White, the one of my favorite players personally. Oh yeah. Uh, running back has a hip sub. Blake sh- sublization? I don't know how to even pronounce that. I was going to wonder if you were going <laughs> to sublization. I don't know. He hurt his hip, and uh, he's going to be out indefinitely. So I wish him a speedy recovery, because uh, he's he is much needed on the field. And uh, KJ Hamler, the Broncos' second year receiver, tore his ACL and he will miss the season. Uh, wide receivers Tyler Lockett and uh, Devontae Adams went out with what appeared to be injuries in Sunday's games. However, they both came back and played afterwards. So they appear to be absolutely fine. I don't see either with the designation right now for injury. So those guys should be good. Am I missing anybody? Uh, I, I, I hate to say of substance, like other people don't matter, but we're kind of talking about like the real impact players here. And I can't, I don't, I don't really see any other ones. Thankfully it was just limited to these guys. So I, I don't, I don't see anything that's groundbreaking. Anything on this, or you want to move on? No, I think uh, CMC is a big deal. Uh, like Martinez, it's it's a at this point it's a trash New York Giants team. So I think James White's the biggest, the second biggest deal, and it, it'll be interesting to see if Ramondre Stevenson gets out of the doghouse or if uh, JT Taylor somehow gets on the field, which he probably should have last week, but you know, it was as you pointed out to me, it was the Brandon Molden game. Um so I think that's the biggest Oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to that later on. That's the biggest deal. <laughs> okay. I, I just that, that's the biggest deal is 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 what is James White how does it affect uh the offense not being there because you know he's we've seen the history. Oh yeah. The guy the guy should have won <clears throat> an MVP as well in the Super Bowl, but you know, I think, I think uh, we can move on to um, a few notes. All right. Stop me. If you've heard this one before, everybody, Josh Gordon has been reinstated by the national football league and he has signed uh, with the Kansas city chiefs and will be on their practice squad. Um, Yeah. I don't even know, man. I don't know what to say about this guy anymore. Hopefully he's clean. Hopefully he can figure it out. Hopefully this will work out. But I mean, this is like, I don't, he's got to have some like incriminating photos of Roger Goodell at this point. This guy has been suspended like, 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 like more times than I can count. I mean, it's, God, it's got to be six or seven. I mean, this guy's been suspended for far more games than he ever could have played. Chris, I've said my piece on Josh Gordon. Too many times to count. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish him well, but at some point, if you keep getting in trouble for the same shit over and over again, man, it's it's kind of on you, and you, you got to grow up or get help. I I, I, I I don't know. I yeah, I, I, I've <laughs> spoken. You you want to hear my opinion on Josh Gordon? Go back to listen to the many times we we've yeah. spoken on this. Either he has success, or if he doesn't, just move on because it's obviously going to keep happening. So I I hope I hope. I hope this time is, it works out. It, it's, I'm not yeah. optimistic. Uh, yeah, I we'll, we'll see what happens. But we're yeah we're like Ben said, you can go back and listen to any of the previous four or five episodes we have discussed him after he was reinstated the last time. And keep in mind, folks, the show's been on the air for about oh, a little over two years now. So that's saying something. It's it's been it's been quite a ride for Mr. Gordon. But uh, a little bit of a scarier note. 
Uh, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid was hospitalized on Sunday. Uh, wasn't feeling well during the game and got checked out after the game. And they decided to, uh, you know, use proceed with caution, brought him to the hospital, and he's released now and he's all right. But um, yeah, we're talking about a you know a guy the players didn't even know wasn't feeling well, and to be to be that down or appear that sick to the point where they're like, yeah, you got to go to a hospital. Like uh, that's that's pretty concerning. But we're glad, um, you know. Football aside, you know, real life here, we're glad that uh, Coach Reed is, is fine and, and back with the team, so hopefully he can lead them to a 1-3 and three record this weekend. Yeah, um, I, I echo your words. I just don't have too much on this particular topic. Yeah, there really isn't a lot to go on. I just, I just wanted to bring that up because we yeah. don't even know what's wrong with him, which is fine. That's not our business. That's Andy Reed's business, but... Uh, yeah, this one here. This one here. This was exciting. Ravens standout kicker Justin Tucker kicked an NFL record 66-yard field goal on Sunday. Now, why am I so amped about this? Well, I won my fantasy game by about four and a half points. And if he missed that kick, I would have lost. So, Belichick's film crew is 3-0. Can we note something? This this was not in Denver. Can this was not in Denver. This was, this this was is... in a dome with no wind. With no wind in Detroit. I, I... I, uh, I think that's the biggest, like, yeah. the biggest factor here is usually, not all the time, usually these big 60-plus yarders, and I'm talking 63-plus, they're, you know, usually in Denver or in a, in a high-elevation stadium. And, and in Detroit, in their dome, and he obviously, as you eloquently put, it bounced off the crossbar and went in, so... If you tried for 67, probably would have came up short. Oh, if he went 66 and a third, he was missing that thing. Right. But so, still, I mean, that's incredible he even got it there. First, um, for, for him, I would say, can we get an exact measurement? Exact to yeah. the millimeter. To the millimeter, yeah. So that way, because this, let me ask you, is this going to get broken? Um, Eventually, I think so. You'll have some guy with a massive leg in the right situation in the right game one day. I mean, it's not going to get broken next week. <laughs> Watch it get broken next week now. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, before that, they had um, the kicker for uh, the Cardinals. Early, earlier that afternoon, attempted a 68-yarder against the Jaguars. Came up a few yards short, and the Jaguars returner, uh, uh, kick returner returned at 109 yards for a touchdown right before That's the half. That's the risk. So, which is, is a big risk. risk. But, I mean, this was the end of the game. This was right. for the game. So, I mean, yeah, there was no, I mean, there was no, I mean, make it, you know, make a break, but it was definitely exciting. Um, if you're on the other side of that, do you, is there any team that uses and more loses, excuse me, in more unique ways than the Detroit lions? I mean, this to be a lions fan has to be the epitome of like pain as a sports fan right now. I mean, because well, you have teams that are bad, but you know, your team's bad. This is a team that fought back against the Ravens, who had a big lead, had the lead against them, played really, really well, and then they lose on a 66-yarder that hits the crossbar, bounces up in the air. All the different directions a football can go when it hits something solid. It bounces up and goes through the uprights. I mean, if you're a Lions fan, first of all, condolences, legitimately apologize for, for... 
as a sports fan and as a Patriots fan, and pretty much the exact opposite of what you're going through the past 20 years. Uh, it, it sucks. I feel your pain. I've been a Red Sox fan before they started winning, so I get it. I was a Patriots fan when they were bad. I get it. But how many times can this team lose in, in, in a just a special and unique way? I, I see what you're doing. I, I, I'm not going to fall for it because I, you're trying to coerce the audience to lean towards your favor <laughs> of the worst franchise. Don't think I didn't forget it. Dude, you're dude. trying. No, I don't have to coerce the audience into believing that. The audience has their own eyes and ears, and they've seen the 76ers, who were your pick, make yes. the playoffs and almost make it to the finals. So, okay. no, 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 no. It's not even a contest. The Lions are so bad, the Jets laugh at them. So, oh, maybe that's not true. But close. So, it, it's I don't have to coerce the audience into anything. No, no, no. The Sixers are so bad that all this – success okay that they brought in a, a a successful head coach in doc rivers to fix the team and and this is how cursed they are they didn't succeed this year and not only that their best player wants to be traded refuses pulling an aaron Rodgers, by the way refuses to play for the sixers ever again now obviously we don't know if that's absolutely true because Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Packers, but I would say that that team is cursed to the point of no success. And the measure of success, I think, is championships. They're just not going to ever get there. And they have a, a, a championship-winning head coach in Doc Rivers, and they have the talent, yet they were one bounce away from the NBA Finals. I don't know what would have happened, but Kawhi Leonard put the dagger in the, in the in their back, and they haven't sniffed it since. So, I just want to make sure my point is on the table about the Sixers because I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing, and I will not allow it. <laughs> well, too bad because I edited the show and I'm putting it in there. So, uh, but no, yeah, I mean the Sixers are definitely a garbage, a dumpster fire. But um, I mean it's the Lions, man. I mean, come on, come on. There, there, there's no championships. There's no Super Bowl appearances. There's no no sustained playoff runs. I mean, it's it's. We have other stuff to talk about. We're already running long here, so we'll Same. we'll we'll just Trust let that go. Process, but Chris. Trust the process. <laughs> just the process. Just the process. Assigned with another team. All right. Uh, it's is their weekly complaint about Matt Nagy segment. Bears head coach for as long as, <laughs> who knows, um, Justin Fields. Got a chance to start Sunday. It didn't go well. Um, no, it didn't. It didn't go well at all. He had one Was net passing nine, yard. Nine sacks? Uh, Justin Tucker had 35 more yards on his game-winning field goal attempt. Well, successful attempt. Than uh, the Bears offense had the entirety of the game. Um, so it was, it was piss poor, to say the least. And that's putting it lightly. Uh, however, uh, that's... That team looked like they didn't know what they were doing out there. That wasn't just poor execution. That was just absolute confusion. And that's on the head coach. That's on the head coach who cannot, cannot decide what direction he wants to go to with the team. And nothing else proves it more than what I'm about to say. He said Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, and Justin Fields are all on the table to potentially start week four. Okay, you don't put Fields in unless 
you're ready to switch to him and see what he has. Like you did with Trubisky years ago. I know Nagy wasn't there for that when he first came in. But you don't do that unless you're ready to either put him in or everyone else who's a viable option is injured and you have you, you sit him down and say, you're going to start while this guy's injured, but then you're back on the bench when he's healthy. You still have stuff to learn, but we need you right now. Okay. So Dalton, who look, Field should have been a starter the whole time. Should have been a starter. Should have broken camp as a starter. There's, there's no doubt about that in my mind. As bad as he played, he did a lot of draft capital and put a lot of stock in this kid. And the way he played the other day isn't going to be any good for his psyche. And now you're going to say Andy Dalton could come back in and start. Not the end of the world because Dalton, you said, was a starter from the beginning. Dalton was injured. So if Dalton's healthy, you might be able to get away with putting him back in and not killing Fields' confidence. But now to say Nick Foles might be coming in, well, that brings it to a whole different level because if you weren't ready to make Fields the guy, then you should have just brought Folds in anyways. It should have been Dalton, Folds, and then Fields. If you weren't ready, if you said you're going to sit for this year and we're going to see what you got next season, we're going to let you learn for a year or maybe let you start a couple of games late in the season, depending if we're in contention or not. You'll get some snaps in throughout the year. Okay. But to put him in when Foles could have played and now say, well, Foles is in the mix too, along with Dalton. I don't care what Nagy says. That's sending the message to your young rookie quarterback. We were so unimpressed with you. We're going to put the guy who is potentially the third stringer in over you and the guy we said was starting over you. This is confusing coaching. This is bad coaching. Once again, I'll say it. They're wasting Khalil Mack. And if you're a Bears fan... This isn't even a bad player to where you're like, oh, why did they make that call? This is like game-to-game confusion as to what the hell your coaching staff is doing. I believe I said Nagy would be the first one to get canned. I'm not 100% sure. If we listen back, um, I believe he was my pick um, because I think he's just, from the get-go, he's bungled this whole situation. I said it from the start. You should have traded Dalton. You could have kept Foles. Make Justin Fields your starter from the beginning of camp. So that way the offense that was in place was more inclined to Justin Fields' skill set than Andy Dalton's. They probably have some things that are similar in some aspects. But Justin Fields is a different quarterback than Andy Dalton. So I think it would have helped Justin Fields if he was the starter from from get-go, practice with the ones, maybe you sprinkle Nick Foles in there a little bit, but Justin Fields is your guy. You have talent in Tariq Cohen. You have talent in David Montgomery. You have talent in Allen Robinson, and he could have been build a rapport with all of them. Instead, now he's learning on the fly. You have Allen Robinson, who is – turning into a below 20 receiver and David Montgomery, as you pointed out, uh, is up and down as far as production because the offense is inconsistent. 
I just want to remind people, and, and this is this is for Chicago Bears fans, because I I've heard that there's a lot of angst about the performance of Justin Fields this weekend. And I'll say this, and you can put this across to all the rookie quarterbacks, because Trevor Lawrence is kind of the one that's having statistical success but they're all kind of having their growing pains. They're rookies. They all have Justin Fields has one game. Zach Wilson has three. Mac Jones has three. Trevor Lawrence has three. They're kids. They have to develop their talent. They have to develop a routine of what they're going to do on game day. What are they doing in practice? They have to build a rapport with the receivers and the tight ends and the running backs and the offensive line. These guys need time. Don't don't flush them down the toilet after three games because they haven't had success. They're going up against professionals. They're not. I think they're going to be talented. I think this could be one of the best quarterback draft classes in the last 20 to 30 years. But that's going to be in like two or three years. Right. Remind me, Chris, how many games did Patrick Mahomes start in his rookie season? I think one. I think it was the last game of the season, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Deshaun I don't, Watson, I don't think he did well either. No, I don't think so either. And Deshaun Watson, I don't think he had great, great success beginning part of his rookie season. But And then I'm forgetting who else is in that draft class. Uh, Mitchie? I think Mitchie was uh, Trubisky in was that. in that one, yeah. And he had some success during his career, but he didn't have great success in his rookie season. Again, this is – give them time. If you're Chicago, go all in with Justin Fields. Look, if if I'm the ownership or I'm the GM at this point, Matt Nagy is coaching for his job. Chris, let me ask you. If he's coaching for his job, who is going to start? Justin Fields. If he's coaching for his job, yep. I think personally, I think if he's coaching to try to save his job, he's going to start Andy Dalton because he's in his mindset. In his oh, mindset, oh okay, no, you're right. I you're asking me, not him. No, him. Oh, if I I'm mean, him, if if if, if, oh, if I'm him, met, I, I, mean, I pick up the phone and I call the Buffalo Bills and I trade for Mitchell Trubisky tomorrow. <laughs> but that's just the kind of ass backwards thing he would do. But my point, my point is, is Matt Nagy is going to try to pick the guy who is going to give him immediate success or his perspective of immediate success. The long-term benefit for the franchise is to flush him down the toilet because you and me agree he is not the answer. No. I don't know if it's the offensive coordinator that would be put in place or the defensive coordinator and put in place, but you tell one of them to whoever's in Justin starting. Justin's starting, and we're moving forward with him. And if you're a Bears fan out there, feel feel free to get in touch with us on any of our social media handles and let us know if we're we're being too hard on this guy. Do you see something in that in Chicago? Do you hear something different from from Bears fans? Like this is just the observation of a football fan who is not close to your team, obviously. But this guy seems. I mean, he he'll be a great next head coach for the Jets. I'll say that much. All right. Uh, been asking this question after every like news and notes segment after uh you know the NFL first two weeks. Yeah. 
what is your biggest surprise after week three? It can be to the season so far. It can be something that happened in week three specifically. It can be a player team. There's no no boundaries here. Just after three weeks, what surprises you the most right now? Or this week, I should say. Mm. The biggest surprise, honestly, I, I, I hate to point to to the home team, um, but I was I was surprised at the lack of success the Patriots had against the Saints. Yeah, offensively, I, I thought I thought offensively they should have been better. I thought defensively they should have been better, as you explained, because I, I didn't get to watch the whole game. I watched about a quarter of it, you know, because. I have a, a job. Um, you put it that the, de- the defense was not put in great positions to succeed. So I will grant them some leeway on there. But again, I saw the last drive and they just, they just, I don't want to say they let Taysom Hill run down the field, but they kind of just let him have whatever he wanted with great success. When Taysom Hill gets the ball, you know what he's going to do. 95% of the time. Yeah, it's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not throwing it down the field. So I, I, that's why I put some of the blame on the on the defense because if they get that stop, they could put their offense back on the field and then they were having some rhythm. Who knows what happens? But down two touchdowns, you know, he throws the pick at the end of the game. That's a garbage time interception desperation meant nothing you know it's going to ring up as an interception but it meant nothing but collectively as the offense i was just confused uh from what i saw why brandon Bowen was in the game and not jt taylor um i can understand the blitz pickup but that's my biggest out of this week that's my biggest surprise it's just how much it wasn't a game. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, I'm going to, I thought about something Patriots related, but that's going to be in our, our final segment. Well, second to last, we got banker tank also. I'm going to bring that point up because I think, I think the, the, the Brady Belichick discussion has to go a different route. And, um, I'm going to bring that up in a few minutes, but mm-hmm. for me, um, <laughs> there are so many things to choose from. The Washington football team's complete lack of defense. Uh, that's surprising. Uh, there was, um, you know, the the Pittsburgh Steelers just looking like they're kind of bored out there. I mean, they played great against Buffalo week one, the defense did at least. And now, I mean, the last two weeks, they've just looked like they're almost just sick of playing the minute they walk onto the field. I don't know. They just look sluggish. They're slow. Roethlisberger has definitely lost a few steps. Um, but for me, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. The one and two Kansas City Chiefs. Who, look, when you get a, a half billion dollar contract, you're not being paid to just make highlight real plays. You're not being paid to make the no-look passes. Because as you and I have said many times before, the the, the stuff, like the no-look passes and things, that involves a certain amount of luck. And you can look really good for a while when that luck is in your favor. And when it stops being in your favor, like it has this season for Patrick Mahomes, 
those things that once made you kind of lovable and endearing to fans are going to get them really pissed really quick. Guy threw a no-look pass. Uh, It's ridiculous. Threw a no-look pass against the Chargers late in the game. Got picked. Was nowhere close to the receiver. Uh, it, It was absurd. And I'm not saying Mahomes is not good. Uh, if you've heard me talk about him before, you know quite the opposite. I think he's exceptional. But part of that comes with good decision-making. You can throw for 350 yards a game. And if you lose, all you are is Phillip Rivers. So, <laughs> like, the Chiefs defense, first of all, is not not an intimidating unit at all. They're not scaring anybody right now. They're really not. They didn't scare the Browns. They didn't scare uh, the Ravens last week. The Ravens, offense, mind you, that the Lions handled for a lot of that game. And then they sure as hell didn't scare Justin Herbert and the, and the Chargers this past weekend. They're not an intimidating unit. They're not scaring anybody. And the offense is where most of the big money's at. That's got to really come up and make the plays. And a lot of things that were working, the quote luck plays, aren't working right now. So you got to focus a little bit more on the fundamentals and a little less on the cutesy no look downfield throws to Tyreek. You know, <laughs> Tyreek Hill isn't always going to be open 50 yards downfield just because you throw the ball up. You've been saying this for two years now. Even when he was in the midst of an MVP season, you were saying this stuff won't work forever. He has all the skill in the world to turn it around. But right now, it's not just him. Right now, that's a team that doesn't seem like it has a grasp on what it wants to do, which is really, really, really weird to say with Mahomes leading the way. But face it, they should have lost to Cleveland week one. They they, they blew it against uh, the Ravens last week. And they had a late lead again against the Chargers. Well, that was back and forth, the game against the Chargers. But this is a team that could be 0-3 if Cleveland steps up in Week 1. And it's not getting any easier in that division. Denver's defense is pretty solid. And Teddy B's got that offense rolling pretty good, especially that running game. Chargers aren't going anywhere. Raiders look... <laughs> Raiders look like a very competent team right now. So... This, this team that everybody thinks is going to be world beaters and win 15 games a season, they're going to be in contention, but they're going to lose a lot of favor really quick if they keep shooting themselves in the foot. And I just think, I just think an established running game, I understand uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had 100 yards this past game, but I mean, if we broke it down, we probably would see some. Uh, garbage time running or ineffective running and I think you need to consistently have some form of running game to relax the pressure on Patrick Mahomes Um, he can have 100 yards all he wants but if it's inconsistent I just looked at his stats uh, he had 30 yards each of the first two games and 100 yards in the third game Yeah, it's inconsistent you can surprise teams uh, with the running game once every often. But if you don't have it consistent, 
it's not going to be there for when you actually need it. Um, case in point, they could have used it in the Super Bowl and maybe not saying it's a guarantee, but maybe it would have slowed down the pass rush because that's really what the run run game should do. It should slow down the pass rush because they're not, you know, they won't be hundred percent sure of, of, you know, is it run? Is it pass with the, the chiefs? I mean, it's almost guaranteed. It's going to be a pass just by the, the, the percentages. I'll say this, Chris, if you, if you flip the Cleveland Browns from week one to week four or five or six, you probably have a different outcome. It's probably more dominant yeah. performance. I will give the caveat though. They now do not have Jarvis Landry. So there's that factor, but, but they do have Odell back who looked phenomenal this last past weekend. True. And I think your point is made. The other three competitors in that division are all very good. And it's going to be a tough, tough matchup for the Chiefs to, to come out of this division with the number one seed, I believe. Of course, I, I picked the, the Chargers to win. So, yeah. in my opinion, they're not going to get it. But we'll see. Well, they got some winnable games coming up. They got the Eagles coming up on Sunday. Then they got the Bills. That's not going to be – if they don't play any better, the Bills are going to stomp all over them. Then they got Washington and then the Titans and Giants. Then they go Packers, Raiders, Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Steelers, well, up until the Steelers. I mean, they got a pretty pretty formidable run there, so they can't figure it out. And they go into that going, you know, two and four. One, You know, it, it, it's not going to be good. But All right. Uh, in case you haven't heard, Tom Brady is returning to Gillette Stadium this weekend. Uh, it'll be the 8 o'clock game. On Sunday night, to which NBC has already released a way overly dramatic music video, um, way over the top. Um, it's gonna be weird, <laughs> weird especially for him probably. Um, you know, if he's a, he's a pro though, he'll be fine. Uh, sixty-eight yards away, I believe, from breaking the all-time passing record. It's kind of fitting he'll do that in Gillette Stadium. Um, I think I know. I personally think he's it's going to be one of those he's going to get like an explosive cheering reaction the first time people see him on the field and rightfully so um and then I think during the game he'll probably get booed whenever he does something good because he's not on the Patriots anymore that's how it goes uh what do you what do you think the reaction is going to be I'm curious this is what I actually was thinking about this Chris because um you know I listen to sports talk radio. So I was driving around today and uh, I listened to some opinions and I don't always agree with a lot of what the callers are because I believe they, um, part of them are insane with their perspectives. If I were there, I would cheer him when he came on the field yep. because you don't shake 20 years off. No. just like that. You don't shake off six Super Bowl wins and nine appearances, MVPs, Pro Bowls. You don't just sweep that off your shoulder and, and move on in the blink of an eye. I think the only other time I would have a reaction to Tom Brady uh, would be when he breaks the record. And they will identify that when it happens during the game. Sure. And I, I would give him a standing ovation because – 
90% and I'm just guessing 90% of those passing yards are with New England, maybe oh, yeah. a little bit more, yeah. but so he was with the Patriots. You can celebrate that even though he is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, right? You can celebrate. I think you can. Um, I just, I have a problem with, with, with individuals or fans or anybody who say, you can't cheer Tom Brady or you can't cheer the Patriots and do, do what you want. If you want to cheer Tom Brady until he retires and then come back to Patriots, that's your prerogative. You're a fan. Uh, just, just, that's Ben's prerogative. If, if you want to leave, don't come back. That's my prerogative. And that's, okay. my, that's well, the last thing I put down here. I have something to say on that, but I want you to finish your thing first. I'm just... And the dog agrees with me 100%. Well, they thought... I thought Kim was home and she's not. So, um, I just think it's it's a fan is a fan, you know. And, and and when I mean that, I mean you have the choice of doing what you want. If if I saddled myself to um, being a fan of, of the team I grew up with, I would still be a dirty Eagles fan. But well, thank God you got out of that, huh? Right, and, 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 and I moved up to Massachusetts, and someone educated me on on New England sports, and I've I've taken hold uh, to New England sports, and you know, no matter where I'm at, you know, I, I'm gonna be a Patriots fan. I'm gonna be a Red Sox fan, um, despite the ownership. Um, I'll be a Bruins <laughs> fan. I'll be yeah. a Cyclones <laughs> fan. Um, I mean, you know me. I've been a, a Wolverines fan since about. 1997 yep, oddly yep. enough correlates to a certain heisman trophy winner mr charles woodson yes uh so i th- so my perspective on this is that you can you can be a tom brady fan for whatever time period he is with tampa bay and then you can come back and be a patriot fan i believe because that's your right that's your prerogative now i will say you will be open to criticism you'll be open to being not talked down to, but, you know, called out on abandoning the team because you wanted to follow him. I rooted for Woodson no matter where he was at. But I don't believe I ever openly rooted for the Raiders collectively or the Packers. And that got tested. That got tested. I got tested real with uh, the tuck that rule game that. because Woodson's the one who caused that, and you have your favorite player of all time. I would, yep. I would, I would dare to say, yes, uh, <laughs> against your team, and it's like, wow, that sucks. I didn't have that problem. I was a Pats fan through and through. Um, that's a mental. That's a yeah, the that's mental a, that's gymnastics. A, I yeah, had that's something that right there. So <laughs> that was that really that tested. I never heard you once. I never heard you once turn on the team. No, I never did. So, you, Chris, you 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 do have to have some allegiance, but that's why I say you can do what you want. But you're gonna be open to criticism if you decide to to troll around New England with a Tampa Bay twelve jersey for the next year or two, and then he retires, and then all of a sudden that Tampa Bay jersey disappears, and you're you're sporting a Mac Jones. It's like mm, you're a little. You're being a little inconsistent. Stupid. Well, stupid. I'm trying to be a little nice, but that's okay. Can... You can be nice. I won't be. Um, 
but I, I, I just think you have that right and ability, but I'm going to call you out for it to be oh. honest. So just, just be prepared. I'm going to call you out for it. If you're going to do, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know how I would have handled Brett Favre situation uh, because it ended so that was weird. Yeah. Toxic. And he got traded and then he came back to Minnesota. I don't think it's the same thing because Tampa Bay is not a rival and Tom Brady chose to leave. And the Patriots, in my opinion, just wanted to move on. And I just, I don't think there's any hardship there. Uh, as a fan, I was a little salty because we saw the sure. change in them, Tom, but as far as like, yeah, he won a Super Bowl. Does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts because that could have been seven. But in all reality, it wouldn't have been seven. No, he wasn't, not on that team. No, he wasn't. I, even this team, I like to think he could have done something with this team, but I don't know if this team would have been in position to get the players that they needed, having Tom Brady's contract on the books because he wouldn't have wanted, he wouldn't have taken ten, twelve million dollars a year uh, to play. He would have needed more, and that would have that money wouldn't have been allocated to someone like Matthew Judon or John. That's true. Smith. Yeah. All so right. That's, look, that's my perspective, Chris. Uh, I will let you have the floor. I just want to say real quick. I, I want to break, break this down real quick. Uh, the whole Brady versus Belichick thing, which to me is absurd. Uh, because people like, Oh, Tom Brady's already won. He's already approved. Belichick going to do it without him, which is stupid. Look, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback to ever step onto a football field argue with me that all day. I will die on that hill. I don't care. I don't care about the fleet gate. I don't care about all the other BS. He's the best. Okay? So is Belichick, though. You don't have to have just one. What was special in New England, it was it was the, the perfect coach and the perfect player in the system, creating the system that worked for both of them the best. Okay? Belichick didn't get a chance to leave as a free agent and go to a team he could cherry pick with all the weapons he could handle. I'm not faulting Brady for that. He was a free agent. That was his right to do so. I was very salty when he did it and very bitter that up until I started watching him again in the playoffs once the Pats were out, I out cheered against whoever was playing him. I wanted him to lose every game. Y'all heard me last year. I was doing nothing but knocking the guy, laughing when he was losing. I was really bitter. Got over it. But he, let's face it, he went to a team with good draft capital that turned that into great defensive players that already had a solid defense that had two of the best receivers in the NFL being Chris Goblin and Mike Evans. You had guys like Scotty Miller. They drafted uh, Tyler Johnson, who looked really good too. Great tight ends. Good offensive line. This guy went to one of the best possible situations he could have went to. All they were missing was a quarterback. Jameis threw for 5,000 yards on this team. First, we said that the previous year when it was Jameis, we said they were quarterback away. Yes, exactly. From yes, having and they got Super that quarterback, success, and they got him, and they got him. I'm not knocking anybody who's a part of that. That's the team that he chose to go to, and they had a position for him, and they paid him, and he went there, and they had success. Good for all involved. Belichick didn't get to do that. Belichick had to, and look, this is his own doing, also. Nickel and diamond here and there, paying certain players maybe a little bit too much, others a little bit too less. 
He found himself in a tough salary cap situation when Brady left, and he is stuck in the midst of a mini-rebuild. Now, it's not a full rebuild or a permanent rebuild like the Jets or Detroit. It's not going to take forever. This isn't going to be – the Patriots are not going to be a competitive team this year. Not in the grand scheme of things. They're not going to be up there with the Buffaloes and the Kansas Cities and, from the looks of it, the the Clevelands and the San Diegos. Um, But they're going to have some shining moments, and they're going to get better, and they're going to grow as a team, and they're going to improve. Mac Jones is going to be a very good quarterback. He's just not going to be perfect. Like you said, These you got five kids out there right now. Well, four are starters right now. And they're going to take their lumps. Trevor Lawrence has not looked great. Peyton Manning looked like garbage his rookie year. Go back and watch some Peyton Manning quote highlights from his rookie year. Aside from the Patriots game, where they put up he put up twenty eight games, twenty eight games, twenty eight points in the first half, and then they lost that game thirty one to twenty eight, mind you. Um, but he looked like garbage. People were just dogging this guy. And went on to have one of the great careers of all time. He's a Hall of Famer, a terrible broadcaster, but a Hall of Famer. That could be Trevor Lawrence. That could be Mac Jones. That could be Zach Wilson in three years when he gets away from the Jets. Uh, (laughs) Because they they look bad. Uh, That could be Justin Fields. That could be Trey Lance. That could be the second-year guys. It could be Burrow, Herbert. It could be any of these guys. You don't know. But it takes time to develop. So you're not just going to go – just because he's a first-round pick, and Belichick doesn't take first-round picks very often, and this guy looked good – in the first two weeks and look it he didn't play as bad as the stats actually uh led people to believe this week either there's a tip pass for a pick a throwaway pass at the end of the game and one that he really really shouldn't have thrown but besides that played well um the biggest benefactor aside from patriots fans from tom brady being in new england was josh mcdaniels Josh McDaniels is terrible. Josh McDaniels needs to go. Mac Jones threw that ball all the way down the field against the Saints the other day to get in the red zone, to get within in the 10-yard line. And you had two runs up the middle and a screen pass. And this guy constantly, since Brady has left, or anywhere else he's gone besides New England, has drawn up ridiculous, boneheaded, go-nowhere plays. The Colts should be thanking their lucky stars he backed out of being their head coach because he would have set them back a decade. He needs to go. He's the problem. Belichick's going to be fine. Belichick's a legend. Belichick has almost more rings than he has fingers when you count the two he got with the Giants. He's going to be absolutely fine. This team's going to be fine. It's going to be competitive. It might be semi-competitive this year. I don't think it will be, like I said earlier. I think maybe above 500 slightly, the way I've seen them play. They had a lot of figuring things out and a lot of young talent to develop. But they're going to be fine. They're not going to beat the Bucks on Sunday. No. Let's be real about that. I love them. I'm going to pick them in my pool. I'm going to root for them. Pats aren't, Pats aren't beating the Bucks. Brady's going to come into Gillette. Brady's going to break the all-time passing record. Brady's going to get the win. Everyone's going to say how Belichick is washed up. Everyone's going to say how Brady was the reason. They're all going to – media's going to glom on like they do. Because they're all a bunch of succubuses, whatever. But my message here is to Patriots fans 
hoping Tom Brady wins. I think he'll win. I hope the Patriots make him look stupid. I love everything he did for this team for 20 years. 20 years as a fan growing up, I could never imagine I'd have. Watching those really bad teams in the the late 90s, earlier 2000s, before he took took over the uh, under center, I never could have dreamed they'd have the success they did. I will always love what he did for the team and always be grateful and always root for him when he can't hurt my team. But when he steps on that field Sunday, he's not a Patriot. I'm not rooting for him. But I do think the Bucs will win. But I don't hope they'll win. If you're a Patriots fan, in quotes, saying you hope Brady beats the Patriots on Sunday, go away and don't come back. We don't need you. We don't want you. Ben might be forgiving. I am not. You stay loyal to your team through good and bad. That's what a fan is. I'm not saying you shouldn't root for Brady when he's not playing the Patriots or shouldn't be happy for him. But do not call yourself a Patriots fan and then ask or hope that Tom Brady beats the Pats on Sunday. Go away. Go away. Don't come back. Lose our number. We don't need you. We don't want you. I'm just saying they they can have the option. Just be ready for the criticism you're going to receive. That's that's all I say. Oh, no, no. No, no. And I know where you stand. I'm not questioning you. And everybody absolutely has the right to cheer, boo, whoever they want to do. Not a problem. I think what we're different is, is you're, you, in this instance, you don't even want to have a conversation with them ever again because they've abandoned you where I'll have a conversation, but I'm calling, I'm calling you out for your hypocrisy or your, your BS or whatever you want to call it for trying to come back because you know, and I know. Once 12 leaves the Bucks for retirement, what are they going to be? They're going to be the Falcons. At best. At best. That, that's that's because you know what's going to happen, too. He, he's, he's trying to convince the Tampa Bay media that he's not going to, but you know what's going to happen to Bruce Arians when Tom Brady leaves. He's gonna, yeah, he's going to reality is going to set it, and he's going to realize that He's a decent coach who benefited from great players. Okay, that's another thing, too. Okay? What's that? People are... The whole... uh, Brady was the system. And Belichick just needed Brady. He couldn't do it. What offense do you think they're running in Tampa right now? They're running the offense Tom Brady brought down there and told them about. They're running the offense that worked for Tom Brady for 20 years. This that is, whole thing this, about the system not the system being Brady and and, and or excuse me, um, Belichick needing Brady for the system to work. He took the system that he and Belichick developed down to Tampa. Like this isn't Arians. This isn't like he's some mastermind. He's a good coach. Don't get me wrong, but it's like he's some mastermind. Like they even said. When, as soon as Brady signed, he was he was essentially almost like an offensive coordinator on the field, and that he was like almost installing his own plays or his own formations that he'd been running for twenty years. He took the system he learned up here down there. Like and that's fine. That's by the way, it's nothing wrong with that. No, no, there's not. It's it's just it'd be like Chris. It'd be like if you if Lamar Jackson was traded tomorrow, and they traded him to. 
Minnesota. Oh, L- Lamar, though, he, you're going to run the offense Kirkram. What? That, that, no, that doesn't make sense. We're going to, we're going to run the offense that builds to my skill set. It's the same thing. It doesn't make sense. And, and I agree with you 100%. They, that, that's the offense that they ran, not, you know, to the T, but the, the foundation of it, it's what the offense the Patriots ran. And let's be honest, right now the offense the Patriots are running are probably is the foundation that the, the Patriots ran for so long. But, you know, with different iterations and different schemes in it, but the foundation is the same. I'm looking at look. I look at what Mac Jones is doing, and I'm gonna I'm correlating it to what Tom Brady did in 2001. Right. That's what it is. You can you can poo poo the running game. You can poo poo the short passes all you want. It's the same thing they ran in 01, 02, 03 until Tom Brady was able to develop the receivers, the the. The patterns, all that, it, it just took time. It's going to take time for Mac Jones. Build that confidence, build that rapport, build the skill set, and it just takes time. You can have uh, – look at Zach Wilson. All they talked about was his his arm. Had, he can make all the throws. Look at what he can do from different platforms. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. What has that done for the Jets so far? Yeah. Okay, and I'm not – I know I've, I've spoken my piece about what Zach Wilson's going to be. I would say the same thing about him. It's not the end-all, be-all about three games. So, I agree with you. There, there, There's no way that what they're running is some construct of Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. Which, by the way, I hope Byron gets a job at some point in the near future in the next two or three years. But for his sake – uh, before he gets another job, he better get another quarterback in there that he can prove that he can w- win with anything. Because he was doing something with with um, Jameis Winston. I think they were making progress, but the allure of Tom Brady superseded that. And I think for for Byron to be successful, I think he needs to either build his own quarterback up from the ground up, or get another reclamation project and kind of get him going. And I think that could prove for Byron over the next, you know, two seasons after this season, if, if this is it for Tom, maybe that would be beneficial for him. But this could be like like Josh McDaniels. He got a job off of Tom Brady. Am I right or wrong? Oh, multiple jobs off Tom Brady. Right. So I think Byron's going to get a job off of Tom Brady. And that would be my concern is that he's going to get a job and he's going to try to build success through what he did with Tom. And I just, I wish he had more opportunity to build through Jameis. Cause I think that would have built long-term success for Byron as a head coach, as opposed to Tom Brady, because we've seen what we've seen, what Josh McDaniels has done. And we've seen what Charlie Weiss all the way back. He had some success in Notre Dame, but not great. So not to get off the beaten path, but I think, I think, that is one downside to Tom Brady is he just might put you in a position where you're not quite ready to be a head coach from an offensive coordinator. 
he's he's great. He's special. Um, I'm happy for his success. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm gonna be rooting for them to make the Bucks look stupid on Sunday. Whether that's possible to happen or not, it's a one hell of a perfect game plan from Belichick. But I'll be rooting for it, and then I'll be happy to see Brady succeed the following week again. That's fine, but not against my team. I don't care what he did in New England. He's not here anymore. He chose to leave. That's fine. Go Pats. It helped to have Stefan Gilmore. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and all the other injured players who can't seem to get on the field. An sure. offensive line will be good too, but we <laughs> it's wishful thinking. We'll see what happens. All right, Banker Tank? Yep, I'm ready. Just run through these real quick because we're running yep. way long. That's okay. Uh, you want to go first or you want me to go yeah, first? I'll go first. All right, what do you got? Jalen oh, Hurts. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Real quick. Last yeah. week, Ben won again. Three and three. I was two and four. Tammy, number one fan of the show. Also my mom. Three and three. I am nine and nine on a year. Ben is 12 and six. And Tammy is six and six. So uh, I just want to give everybody an update where we are. We do compete all season long. And you're welcome to join us on our Facebook page. We do post it there usually Wednesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the banker tank and you're welcome to post your picks as well and we'll tally them up and see how you did but sorry ben go right ahead uh i'm gonna go with jalen hurts against the kansas city chiefs uh, zeke elliott against the carolina panthers debo samuel against the seattle seahawks all right i am gonna go with jamar chase's best friend joe burrow against the jacksonville I'm going to go with the Steelers, pretty much the entirety of their offense at this point, Najee Harris against the Packers. And I'm going to go for a a breakout game. This guy's going to show up at some point and be a star. Calvin Ridley against the Washington football team. Uh, for a tank, I'm going to stun you. Josh Allen Ooh. against the Houston Texans. Wow, really? Damn. They're going to overlook the Texans because they have the Chiefs. The following week. Prediction. Um, so, wait, you back, think they lose? I just He's just going to have a bad game. Oh, okay. I, I, I didn't say. We, we, we've stated this before. Banker Tank doesn't mean they're going to lose the game. No, no, I know. I was curious because you said they're going to overlook them. I was wondering if you thought they they're, were going to lose. There's a potential for a trap game, but I think they could win. But I don't think Josh Allen's going to hit his marks. Okay. Uh, J- James Robinson um, going against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he's going to tank on that. And Chris Godwin is going to tank against the New England Patriots. Not because he's not successful. I think Gronk is going to have a big game, just saying. All right. I have Russell Wilson against the 49ers. Joe Mixon against the same Jaguars that Burrow is going to bank against. And Adam Thielen against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, This... Just looking at scores, the uh, Red Sox have lost to the Orioles. Uh, yeah, so the only thing saving us, the only thing saving us, the Yank, the Yankees won. The only yeah. saving grace for the Red Sox is they're or they're winning. Excuse me. The only saving grace for Boston is that they're playing the Blue Jays. Oh well, there you go. So, so hey, Boston hey, might hey. just end up getting into a playoff spot with a a, a whimper and, and a. You know, it, it's it's whatever. So, but. so so they have a chance to back into the playoffs. Wow. Yeah. That's, well, nothing that's... nothing like momentum, huh? Oh, oh. All right. All right. Well, hey, they got five more games left. Um, maybe they can win a couple. 
yeah, maybe they'll win one or two. We'll see. I'm not holding my breath. All right. Anything else? You good? No, I'm good. That was that's a nice way to end it, Chris. Yeah, it's a nice positive note. Okay, I'm gonna have nightmares now about Chris Sale's wonky elbow. All right. That's going to do it for episode 147. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions about this episode, past episodes, or anything at all sports related, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And Ben, where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter at, at BCTSPod, Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, the website, BCTSPod.com, and on Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And we ask you once again, if you have not done so, and you feel so inclined, Please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating and a review, and subscribe if you have not. And also tell a friend and ask them to do the same. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.